Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Directions Mag Geospatial webinar. Today, sponsored by our friends over at UCGIS. A warm welcome to Laxmi, Eva, Jenna, and Diana, all wonderfully talented people uh, who have been serving not only the geospatial community, but uh, with a special interest in supporting women in geospatial technologies and beyond. So ladies, welcome. We're excited to have a chat with you today. I'll hand it over to you, Diana, to guide our discussion. Thanks very much. Welcome everyone. My name is Diana Sinton. I am a senior research fellow with the University Consortium for Geographic Information Science and UCGIS is very pleased to be able to host this webinar today. I am joined with three colleagues from um, different initiatives and organizations all of which are connected to women in the geospatial sciences uh, in one way or another. We are gonna arrange today's time so that each one of my colleagues will have a chance to introduce themselves and their connection with this different um, initiative or organization. And then we're gonna have time to have a discussion, a round table discussion um, with the three of them around a set of questions that we've come up with. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to my colleague, Laxmi, who will be um, the first to introduce herself. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Laxmi ramos Um I'm an architect and urban planner, and I've been in the GIS landscape as an academic for a long time. I discovered GIS as a graduate student, and I uh, have just been in the space where I use GIS to support public participation and civic engagement. So I also, uh, the other connection that I have with Diana, I have many connections with Diana, but one of the connections is that I served at the University Consortium for GIS, um, and I'm the past president, and I'm in my day job, I'm uh, right now a department chair and professor at San Jose State University in the Department of Urban and Regional Planning that includes geography, planning, public administration, um, and a host of graduate programs. So I'm here to tell you about TRELLIS. And TRELLIS, uh, the acronym, uh, stands for Training and Retaining Leaders in STEM Geospatial Sciences. And TRELLIS is a leadership program funded by NSF, and we focus on academic women in GIS. So the question really is, uh, why focus on academic women? And the answer is simple, maybe, um, that women are underrepresented in academia, particularly in leadership roles. And furthermore, um, academia is a, a complex and almost impenetrable club that has both formal and hidden rules that women and people of color and first generation faculty in general find it hard to navigate. And so as we, uh, the women in this, my accomplished team that you see on the slide, the work started, I would say, five years before we actually got to the point where we were ready to talk to NSF and put in a proposal. And we talked about our own experiences coming through the ranks in academia. We talked about 
the attitudes that we were experiencing in the workplace. We were talking about low morale and burnout and this feeling of exclusion that's really hard to, to sort of put into concrete words, but you feel it and you experience it. And it's a day-to-day -day thing. And so our intervention, if you will, was to build an academic uh, network for academic women in GIS. And we called it Trellis. And you can see the cute logo here. And basically, as the women on the screen, uh, we talked together, we realized that the pathways to leadership for women um, were not this ladder that we were told about, right? That there's a straight shot. You join in as a PhD student, you graduate, you get a degree, move up the ladder, and then, you know, lo and behold, at the end of the day, you're, you know, running the ship, whatever that ship is. Um, the reality is for many of us, it's, it's very circuitous. And so the trellis is a metaphor and also this acronym uh, for our proposal. So we've been successful. So when we built our network, it's an intensive 2.5 day workshop where we bring people together and we covered these themes that you see on the screen. We talked about communication and language, how, how to speak to leaders and peers to make sure that your expertise is understood and valued. We talked about career trajectories, how to navigate academia. Again, it's like unpackaging this hidden curriculum. We talk about hidden curriculum for students, but there's also a hidden curriculum for faculty. Um, we talked about how to navigate obstacles and how to prevent them from escalating into conflicts, right? Because day-to-day -day life, uh, you can't always keep running to your boss to fix the, the situation. You have to learn to have the skills to navigate it yourself. And my colleagues and I talked a lot about work-life balance. And we realized that for academics, it's really work-life integration it's like, how do you balance the two was not really a, a possibility. It was just, and, and we can talk more about that. And we talked about mentoring and coaching. And so this is a summary of what we did. And I would say the outcomes are that we, we have built this network. We have built this network of women who support each other and who know uh, to reach out to and call when they need advice on their research, on their promotion, uh, career trajectories, on you know situations they're facing. So that's that's a wonderful thing, and we can certainly talk more. Thank you. Thank you, Lakshmi. We'll hear now from Eva Reed. Hi everyone, thanks, Diana. Um, you have already heard where I work. I work for the District of Columbia Health Department, DC Health, and I also, you'll see a lot of different references to me in different ways because as many of us do, we wear a lot of different hats, I do as well. So in addition to my day job, um, I also own my own business, uh, Eva Reed Consulting, and I do professional development for women in technology. I, have had many jobs uh, in the private 
in public sector, although my focus has generally been the public sector. I've been in GIS specifically for 30 years, like 29 and a half. Um, but I've, I've been in the field for a while and um, really just I've had a, a wide variety of experiences. And the really interesting thing about those experiences, I everything that Lakshmi has, has spoken to, I've definitely experienced in my own career. And I really love the uh, work-life integration because I, I kind of feel like as much as I can leave some of what I do at work at work, it's kind of always part of your consciousness, I guess. Um, I also, as, as some folks know, I, I do also write for directions. And, and what I find is that that is that is one of the integrating factors. So that's, that's really interesting. I, I get to pull a little bit from here and a little bit from here and a little bit from here and kind of put it all together. So all of that said, in addition to my GIS work, I am very active in the GIS community, but also in the GIS community as a woman, as a woman of color. And so um, I participate very heavily in a lot of different organizations. And for Women in GIS, which is why I'm here today, uh, I am the outreach chair. I've participated in the organization pretty much since the beginning. I would say I think I, I got involved about a year after the organization sort of started and I had already been leading a local group of women in GIS which now we call DC women in GIS and that's again it, it's this integration of all the different pieces of my career and my experience and and just wanting to connect women in STEM. So Women in GIS was founded in 2015. It was as many organizations start um, and and particularly I think with women in, in technology we see a gap we want to fill it we want to connect with each other we want to talk about um, what some of our challenges are and so really it started as a group a small group of women coming together saying this is something that we want to make happen we want to build these connections in 2021, we incorporated as a professional membership organization, and it has grown into this amazing international organization. We have 23 chapters. Those are, are kind of our local on the ground uh, organizations or you know sub-organizations. That is kind of an ever-evolving number. So I say 23 now, talk to me again in you know six to eight months. We also have what we call communities of practice. And you're probably familiar with this term. I think this has become very popular of late. I think it's been something that we've done for a long time, but it's, we're seeing a lot more of it lately. We have four communities of practice. We meet virtually, which is really wonderful. So we get kind of a cross-pollination between the you know different areas of practice plus people from different parts of the world coming together and and meeting online and that's one of the things that we've really focused on in the last i would say probably year to year and a half is really providing opportunities not just local and and um, conference opportunities but also having 
these virtual communities, virtual trainings, and workshops that allow people to participate from wherever they are. So the organization, Women in GIS, we have a lot of different, you know, interests as a group, but our current focus is really on the professional development and community building aspects of being a professional organization. And that, again, that, that sort of translates into workshops. We've put a, an emphasis on that this year. So we've been doing a lot of, you know, resume building, how to negotiate is something that we're, um, that's coming up shortly on our list of events. We have done, you know, how to give presentations, that sort of thing. So it's really been, uh, it's really been an interesting time to be involved in this organization. I'm not going to speak to everything here, but uh, I wanted to just kind of highlight a few things here. Well, A, that have come up and been very popular this year, but also just as some maybe ideas for other folks. Our, uh, our podcast started this year, uh, Geographers Without Borders. It's been very successful. We've had some really great uh, interviewees so far, and we're always looking for more interviewees. So I will be happy to share a link where you can recommend yourself or someone else who, who might be interested in, in talking with our wonderful, uh, wonderful podcast host. We also this year started an awards and scholarship committee, and we have had a very successful run with our very first um, our very first set of awards and scholarships. And um, I can certainly point you to our website for more information about that. But it's just been a really great year for us overall, and I'm really excited about what's what's going to happen. Um, the last thing that I, I wanted to point out is that we do have, you know, a number of our, um, so our community of practice, for example, that's members only, so you have to be a, a member of the organization, but we really have tried to make a lot of different types of events so that we can encourage both members and non-members to participate, and we really do encourage everyone to participate, so this is about women helping women, but also women working with allies and allies working with women to really broaden the, the impact that we have as a community. So um, with that, I will, I will pause there and, and hand, it off, hand it back to Diana. Thank you very much, Eva. Okay, our third speaker is going to be Jenna Levier. Good morning. Um, probably afternoon for some. Um, I am in Arizona, so it's still morning for me. Um, I am thrilled to be a part of this panel. Um, very honored to have Nizdik and, and my perspective shared with the group today. Um, so I wanted to share a little bit about me and my background. Um, I've been in geospatial for more than 25 years. I have no formal GIS training. Um, at that time, there weren't GIS programs. So I think like a lot of people, um, I stumbled into it and never left. Um, I definitely have a passion for it. My day job is as deputy state cartographer for Arizona. So I lead coordination for the state, data coordination for the state. 
Um, that does mean that I end up not doing a lot of GIS anymore. I talk to people more than I do anything else. Um, but to ensure that our decision makers in Arizona have the resources they need to make good decisions um, on all levels. So I work across jurisdictions um, and I'm incredibly passionate about all things geospatial um, education among them. Um, I also am, am very passionate about supporting women in, in geospatial. So in Arizona, we have what's called the Arizona Geographic Information Council. Um, that is the group that helps with coordination for me. Um, one of the things that I'm really proud of that does fit with today's topic is that we have a mentorship program where we, um, it's not just for women, but we definitely support minorities and women and uh, provide professional development opportunities and guidance to, to be your best self and to, to move in the direction you, you are inspired to. Um, so that helps us with succession um, and integration into the community. Um, I am also part of the National States Geographic Information Council. It is an association that is member-based and I'll share a little bit more about NISJIC on the next slide. Um, I am a former NISJIC president. I just rolled off five days ago, so it still feels very new. One of the initiatives under NISJIC is GeoWomen in Leadership, and I am a co-chair. I'm one of the volunteers that, that brings together the content for the GeoWomen in Leadership initiative. So the purpose of that, NISJIC brings together state leaders in geospatial um, and provides a peer network so that we can learn from each other and collaborate and be better as a whole. Um, GeoWomen the group itself really is focused on how we can support women in leadership roles. Um, so a little bit about NISJIC. NISJIC is a 501c6, just like what Eva explained in her slides for women in GIS. Um, we've been around for a long time. We are, as I mentioned before, it's a peer network so that we can be the best across the states by working together. Um, it is one of the most inclusive and supportive groups I have ever participated in. Um, so it's all volunteer-led. Um, we, over the years, have, have, I guess, matured, and that's led us to having full-time staff, um, committees and work groups and initiatives. We are a very loud voice for the states and what our needs are from the local level all the way through to the state level with the federal government. So we definitely influence policy um, and have a lot of discussions about how we can, can be allies all the way around for each other. We have, we have two meetings a year in person and year-round virtual engagement. There is a lot happening with NISJIC. Um, we also have an online community forum. So you have a question, a challenge, and there's a place to send that, that question and get almost instant response. So this is our group. Um, the work group was established in 2017. Um, we have nine co-chairs, which makes it way easier to run a group like this. Um, we have bi-monthly meetings with the co-chairs and that's where we develop content for the work group itself and, and strategize on how we can support women in our network um, and women in our interest group. So we have an interest group that we engage in our book club 
pod, which has evolved into a podcast club, um, our virtual roundtable events, as well as our meetings. So there are well over 500 people that participate in that. They have access to our online community forums. Um, we have a very vibrant community. So this is just a little taste of some of the things that we have engaged in most recently. Um, while we have a focus on, on women in leadership, many of our topics are really centered around professional development and are applicable across the board. Um, there is some distinction with, with specific challenges for women, but most of our conversations are just really, how can we be better professionals? How can we advocate for ourselves? Um, we are, one of our past roundtable speakers was uh, Deirdre Bishop, who is the chief of, in the geography division for the US Census Bureau. And she talked to the group um, about how to advocate for yourself. Where's the elevator pitch? How do you have that ready? And developing your personal brand. It was really inspiring um, to hear from a very successful woman leader. Um, at our most recent meetings, we've had a couple of discussion topics. One of them is radical candor. Um, and I would highly recommend anyone dig into Kim Scott's work. It is innovative and very, very helpful in how we engage in our professional lives. Um, so we, our group led a facilitated discussion at one of our recent meetings on that. How do you give feedback and how do you receive feedback in a way that is really beneficial for everyone? Um, and most recently at our meeting last week, we were, we delved into the five dysfunctions of a team and had a facilitated exercise with both our allies as well as the geo women in the group. Um, we were looking at building and retaining effective teams and how do we interact with that. Um, the five dysfunctions are incredibly insightful. We had a really productive conversation. So um, I would encourage anyone interested to join us um, and I will hand it back to Diana so we can have more of a discussion. Thank you. Thank you very much. There's a lot of activity around the world going on with geo and geo with women in the geospatial sciences and technologies. Uh, these groups, we, we don't, um, we are not a uh, exhaustive or comprehensive uh, collection, but these are some of the active ones. And where I was really glad that we could bring this group together for a little conversation today. And the first question that uh, uh, our group is going to discuss is just describe very briefly um, a highlight or an achievement. Um, that your group has um, accomplished so far that, that you think is important for, that you'd like to share with the rest of us. I'm gonna kick that off with Lakshmi. Uh, from our group's perspective, um, we are seeing uh, folks we worked with in the first leadership cohort, which is in 2018, move up the career ladder and actually achieve those positions of leadership. And so for us, it's like, and these are folks, if you understand academia, there's the assistant professor, associate and full professor. So there's a bunch of people who are in that associate professor rank who moved up to full. And that's a big step because in the academic lineage, that's a milestone that we celebrate. So that's one highlight. And the other highlight, uh, sorry, you asked for me for one, but the other highlight is that we have these spin-off projects and we can talk a little bit more about that if we have time. Uh, um, thanks, Lakshmi. Um, Eva or Jenna? Sure. 
so I will answer the question by saying that our I didn't really speak to this earlier, but one of the things that we're doing in addition to the professional development um, and community building is recognition. So we actually kind of have two a two-pronged approach to it. I'm sure it will be many more later, but we tried to focus this year on how do we recognize the people in the community that are doing doing the work. So one way that we do that is through the podcast that I mentioned earlier. And it's really, it's kind of been a little bit grassroots, which is great. I love it. It's, it's tends to be fairly organic. Um, and so we've been interviewing women primarily. I don't think we've had any men yet now that I think of it. Um, but anyway, in any case, we've, we've really tried to focus on highlighting people that the community thinks are doing interesting things. It's not just about what women in GIS thinks is interesting. Of course, that's important, but we really, and and um, Shannon Day has really focused on, the podcast host is focused on trying to get input from the community about who they think are really relevant and interesting people. So that's been very exciting. And as I said, that started in January of this year. It's, we had already by, I think uh, about May, we'd already basically figured out who was going to be involved for the rest of the year. We are planned out through, um, I think, June of next year. And we're always excited to hear about other folks. I know I just submitted, I'll share the form later, but I, I just submitted a recommendation of someone I thought would be really interesting. And I, I just, it, it's so exciting to see that. And it's really interesting to hear women's stories about their experience in the field, et cetera. The other thing is I, I kind of, I think I alluded to it more than really spoke about it earlier was our uh, awards and scholarships committee. And we, for the first time, uh, through a variety of funds, funds that we have received through sponsorship, um, the major sponsor there um, is Esri. We also have a number of individuals and other companies that have sponsored our awards program. And that's, that's been really wonderful. Um, so all of that said, we were able to give money to deserving people this year. And I think, you know, recognition is wonderful. And I will never, you know, that is so important. I will never say anything about, about recognition. But one of the things that I think is also important to recognize is that, you know, all of the things that we do, we go to conferences, we, you know, people are going to school, all of this costs money. And I think it's something we don't like to talk about, at least in the United States, we don't really like to talk about money. It's it's not a thing that we do. And I, I think, uh, you know, I have my own personal feeling about it, but I think that Women in GIS has really made a concerted effort to develop the funding to do this and also make sure that people have access to additional funding. You know, even the smallest amount can be helpful to some folks. Um, as a side note, we also, and I, I probably we should do a better job of, of making people aware of this, but one of the things that we try to do, and we've been very 
I think, successful at this is to also have money available for folks who can't afford the membership fee. We really feel like it's extremely important to be able to participate in things regardless of your financial ability. And so the great thing is that a lot of people from the community, from our membership and beyond, have donated to that particular fund as well. So um, I, that makes me feel really good. And I, I think that that, again, it's not something we like to talk about. Um, it, it's you know, it's sort of always behind the scenes, but um, we've, we've really made an effort to try to make things accessible to people who might not otherwise be able to do it and be able to participate, so. Jenna, response from you on that? Sure. I can't say that it is the direct result of Geo Women, but I think there is a connection. Um, to kind of paint the, the landscape, um, Across the states, there is such a thing called a geographic information officer. That is the equivalent of my role. I don't have the same title, but it's the equivalent. Um, and those jobs, there's only one in each state. So it's a, it's a pretty small group. What I've seen over the last few years is an incredible rise of women into those positions. So when I started at NISJIC, I would say the vast majority were men. Um, and now we almost outnumber them. Um, mm -hmm. It's more than half our women GIOs. And that's a really special achievement. I think that that is um, that's telling about our culture and who we are as individuals in geospatial. These are the women that are serving their states and their citizens in, in an incredible way. So, you know, cheers to all of them. I would say that's huge. Yeah, the numbers are definitely uh, shifting right in front of our eyes. Yeah, and that's um, exciting. Yeah, so we'd also, we really like to hear from any of the groups about over the years of, of your different respective activities and programming and moving forward, what kinds of lessons have you have you learned? All of these initiatives, one reason why, what, one thing that's kind of interesting is that all of our respective initiatives kind of got started all around the same time. What kind of, uh, any, any any of you can, can kick this one off, but what are some things that you might, uh, what have you learned that you might do differently if you could redo it? I, I, I'll jump in here and just say that one of the other things that I noticed, because I noticed that too, I was like, huh, I didn't realize everything started around the same time, or at least incorporated around the same time. Um, one of the things that I have noticed, though, is that a lot of organizations like the ones represented here are often volunteer run. And and I, I can't remember Lakshmi about Trellis, but I know that both of Jenna's and my organizations are volunteer run um, or had been. And I think for us, we're, we're finding that, you know, the passion is wonderful. Um, but it's hard. It's hard to run an organization with volunteers. It, you have to be thoughtful about how much you expect of people, because obviously, I mean, you know, we're a small representation, but I would imagine that a lot of people are in the same position and a lot of people are involved in a lot of things and very passionate about all those things. And so, 
you know, it's not a criticism of anyone at all, but it, it's really hard to run an organization, especially when they grow in the way that they do and tend to grow exponentially. It's hard. <laughs> so I think, you know, I'm speaking a little bit for myself and partly for the organization. We're really seeing now that um, it's time to have someone who's, whose job, or at least, you know, a good chunk of their job is to, you know, do some of this coordinating work and, and to be actually be able to pay someone to do it is really important as well. Um, there is, I think, you know, not to get super political, but I think there is a burden on women, particularly. We tend to be caretakers. We tend to be the, you know, people that step in to do things. And I, you know, I think we have to kind of take a moment, at least I'll, you know, I'll speak for myself and, and on behalf of my organization, it's really important to take a moment to recognize that, you know, um, we can do a lot, but we also have to kind of protect ourselves as human beings and people living in the world. Um, and I think we also have to protect ourselves as organizations and make sure that we have the structures in place to, to really grow in a thoughtful way. And I think we are doing that, but I also think <laughs> we, we have learned that it, it will be easier as we have that opportunity. I'm sure Jenna can probably uh, speak to some of that as well, not to tell you what you have to say, but just be, I'd be interested in your perspective on that. Yeah, I would, I would echo what you say, what you just said. Um, for the women that are involved in the GEO Women in Leadership, we start out overextended. Um, and, you know, we, at one point, we talked about work-life balance, and that was a very interesting conversation for us, um, since most of us don't, don't know what that even looks like. Um, I would say one of the things that we learned pretty early on um, was that we couldn't, we couldn't organize and curate content without a pretty large team. That's why we've grown, our co-chair group has grown to nine people and we're pretty diverse in, in a lot of our interests and, and our network. So, so that helps us to feed the content and to support the community. Um, we are all volunteers by nature. We, like, like Eva said, I do think women are inclined to jump in and get work done. So, so spreading the wealth was of, of work has been one of our big lessons learned. We, we support each other that way so that we can have better work-life balance. Um, and, and I think it's made, I think it's made us more successful. Um, one of, one of the other things that we did, we learned really quickly, we wanted to have a book club. Uh, we are all Brene Brown fans, um, as, as well as other books, but that's where we started. Um, and we learned really quickly that, you know, we just all don't have any time to read. And while we have the best intention, um, our jobs and our lives kind of take over. So we transformed that into a podcast club because that was something that was doable so that we could still have meaningful engagement and experiences with our community and support each other, but do it in a way that really fits with all of our many commitments. Um, I think I think this group has done really well to be the example um, and to help women to achieve their goals. And and through that is being the model, right? You have to you have to spread 
and choose wisely. Um, I was going to say, just podcasts meaning we can multitask even more. We could listen to our podcast while we're doing all these other things as well. Locksmith. I was going to say that uh, I, I agree and echo the sentiment about, you know, the, the demands on volunteer time. Um, but one of the lessons we learned from Trellis is um, the how much demand there was. Like when we started out, we kind of didn't know what, you know, we had a theory, we had some data, but we really didn't know. And each time we've announced the opportunity, we've had to turn away people, right? So we've had to make it in a, in a sort of a competitive thing that didn't have to be because that was a resource allocation issue, right? So we, most of the funding we got, we turned it over to support the participants to come to these workshops and compensate for their time on a shoestring budget, I might add. And I know that we did things like, well, you have to double up and share rooms because we're saving money. And then we realized maybe, you know, people need this space. And so we struggle with these kinds of things, but it's really, a risk, uh, you know, to compensate people for doing the work is really important. And there is a need out there, and this, these networks cannot run on, on purely volunteer labor. Yeah. Yeah, only ever briefly, because then we just, people just burn out. Um, thank you all for these thoughts. Let's spend our last few minutes here talking about what kinds of ways that these groups uh, and, and others that you might be familiar with that are connected to, um, how can we work together? going forward what, what can we do well i can i can speak a little bit about what's already being done um there's a lot of women that are involved in our group that are also involved in eva's group there's a lot of overlap uh with women in gis and a lot of support we definitely um feed each other content ideas and support the the communities of practice as well as as other initiatives i think that it, it's very easy for us to jump in um, because we're doing very, very similar work and it's all very important. So, um, so I think continuing that collaboration is, is really important. Um, most recently, um, Wilma Robinson uh, from Idaho, she's the GIO in Idaho, was on the podcast for Women in GIS. I would I would encourage anyone to listen to it. She's fantastic. Um, so there's definite overlap already. Um, and I think, you know, from the speaking on behalf of my my peers in the co-chair group, we are always open to more opportunity and different kinds of collaborations. So, um, so yeah. I know that from the academic space, our students are really eager to hear directly from you all like you know you're in the business in government in the private sector public sector and uh, as much as you know we in the academic space talk the talk you are doing the work right and so the, that connection if we can facilitate that um, I think that would be great so I mean I can certainly with Diana and others volunteer to to like to publicize the, uh, these podcasts um, more to our students. And I think that would be a great start. 
to, to see that connection. I love that. And I think, well, this event is, is one of the opportunities to kind of have this conversation, right? Um, I, I hope that, you know, I hope that some folks that are in the audience have ideas and are willing to share with us as well, because they, again, I think that, you know, the community has a lot of really good ideas. And sometimes we think, I, I know I've had this thought in the past and I maybe have gotten to the point where I'm like, I don't know, I'm just gonna ask. <laughs> but not everyone feels comfortable doing that. So I, I just, um, I hope that folks will reach out to, and I, I'm gonna speak on behalf of the group, um, so forgive me, but I think anyone in the audience is is welcome to reach out to any of us and, and share your ideas and, and connect with us, LinkedIn, whatever. Uh, the other thing that I would say, too, is I would love to see in the future, in the near future, maybe, um, some sort of, um, you know, leadership forum of some sort, um, maybe organized by Trellis or a similar organization to, to bring some folks together to kind of have that conversation about, you know, how do we encourage connection and because again i think we all here agree that that's really important and it's the only way that we can do the work that we're doing is to have these connections uh, you know well anyway i mean i think that's really what i wanted to say but I, I would just love to have that as an opportunity to connect with other leaders from other organizations i mean I, i've known jenna for years so it, it feels like that was a natural connection. I, again, there are many people that overlap between our two organizations. I know um, there are many people that, you know, interact sort of in an informal basis. So I'd love to see some more things happen, maybe, on, you know, with all of our spare time, right? <laughs> but I think that would be very valuable is to have that kind of, you know, some sort of like leadership I, I, academy jumps to mind, but that's not really what I mean, but like a conversation periodically, maybe it's, you know, once a year or something or whatever, but I really think, um, you know, communication and collaboration are really important. Um, yeah. And that sense of leadership, that was a big part of what Trellis was. It, it wasn't only in traditional academic lines, but it's taking the leadership um, role in a lot of different parts of your life. And I'm glad, Loxme, that you were able to, that we talked about students, because a lot of the students that go through all of our university and um, systems are the ones that are often looking for work uh, in the private sectors. And we all go in and out of different um, types of, of roles and, and organizations. So I, I think these ideas of Connections and leadership are two themes we could follow up with more. I've got one more slide here. At the end here, we've got a collection of resources we'd like to share with the audience. Uh, we will also be making sure that these get shared out um, in other ways. And on behalf of UCGIS uh, and our other groups, I just want to thank you all uh, very much for listening to our discussion today. Thank you, ladies. What a wonderful discussion. Um, we're honored that you uh, shared this with our audience. And we, as a woman-owned organization ourselves, we certainly can appreciate 
um, the challenges that we face as women in the workplace and, and in geospatial technologies and look forward to continuing to support and encourage growth for all of the many facets of our community. Another warm thank you to our talented ladies, Eva, Lakshmi, Jenna, and of course, Diana, for all of your hard work and willing to share your expertise. We hope that you go make it a great day. Tell a friend about Directions Magazine, and we hope to see you again very soon. Thank you.